Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported podcast. To support the show, go to interestingtimespodcast.com. I've already talked about the world's shortest war on this show. That was the Anglo-Zanzibar War, back in episode 12. That war lasted for only about 40 minutes, but it had very real effect on Zanzibari history and politics, and real people did lose their lives, despite the brevity of that conflict. This week, we're going to talk about the opposite of that. This week, we're getting into what could be the longest war of all time, depending on how you define and measure these things, and this war lasted for over 300 years, was ultimately of no consequence, and a grand total of zero humans were killed, captured, or injured. From a certain point of view, the aptly named Dutch Silly War is the longest recorded conflict in human history, and for most of the time, the belligerent parties didn't even know that there was a war on. The warring parties were, of course, the Netherlands, and also a tiny cluster of islands called the Isles of Scilly, that's S-C-I-L-L-Y, off the corner of southwest Britain. And the roots of this kind of absurd fake war, they rest in a real, actual war, specifically the English Civil War. Uh, 200 years before the U.S. would be a house divided, England broke out into a war between the Royalists, who supported a monarchy, obviously, and the Parliamentarians, a group that included Puritans like Oliver Cromwell, who would, as I mentioned in episode 61, ban Christmas. Now, the breakout of a civil war, that's obviously bad for the country in question, but it also makes things awkward for that country's neighbors and allies and enemies. What do you do if a country near you has a civil war? Do you bet on a side? Do you back a horse? Do you maintain neutrality? Do you just whistle and pretend that you don't see anything? Do you actively aid or hinder one side or another, or both? In the case of the Netherlands, they picked a side and backed the puritanical Christmas-banding parliamentarians. And this wasn't necessarily because of ideological or religious ties between the Netherlands and the Puritans. If anything, the Protestant Netherlands and the Protestant Royalists, they probably had far more in common. But the Dutch thought that Cromwell and company were going to win the Civil War. They turned out to be exactly right. The Netherlands, they knew which way the wind was blowing, and they bet on the right horse to completely mix a pair of cliched metaphors. This led to royalist response, obviously. The royalists weren't going to just sit there and let another country support their rivals, the parliamentarians. They were going to show these disloyal Dutch what was what. So the royalist navy, they began going all pirate privateer-like on Dutch merchant ships at every opportunity. And obviously the Dutch were not that into having royalist ships shoot at their merchant marine kill people, and take their stuff. So, on March 30th, 1651, a Dutch admiral with an amazing name, Martin Harpenzoot Tromp, arrived at a royalist naval base, the Isles of Scilly, and said, essentially, that he would really appreciate it if the royalists stopped, you know, shooting at Dutch ships, killing people, and taking their stuff. Oh, and if they could also hand over a whole bunch of reparations for the loss of ships, life, goods, etc., that would be great. The Royalists, as you might imagine, did not give Trump a satisfactory response. They didn't give him any response. 
they ignored this demand for reparations from this foreigner who just showed up at this little island naval base. So, the Netherlands, they had to back up their demands of reparations with action. And declaring war on the whole of England, that would have been somewhat awkward. After all, the Dutch were allied with the parliamentarians. So, instead, they just declared war on the part of England that was really annoying them, the Isles of Scilly the royalist base from which so much of their maritime agitation sprung. And this is kind of a weird thing to do, to only declare war on part of a country. Um, I don't want to say that this is the only time this has happened, but this is the only time I know of that something like this has happened. They singled out this tiny, specific part of England that was annoying them, and after about two months, it was a moot point. About two months after Admiral Trump had demanded reparations from the Royalists, the Royalists lost, and they surrendered to the Parliamentarians. The weird Dutch action of declaring war on a small and specific set of islands, that was overlooked and forgotten. There was no peace treaty for this Dutch Scilly war. But the people who lived on the Isles of Scilly, they did not forget. And for hundreds of years after that, they remembered that one time when a European power declared war on their set of tiny islands in particular, a set of tiny islands that held less than 2,000 people. In Scilly, the war began to take the shape of an urban myth or a local legend, the kind of thing that you would always tell visitors about, or the sort of thing that local tour guides would always mention. It began to take the air and the feel of something that, because it's mentioned all the time, well, it's probably too incredible to be true, right? Right? In 1986, a local councilman on Scilly and an amateur historian decided to put what he thought was an urban legend to rest. Roy Duncan, he set out to debunk the absurd idea that his little collection of islands could still be at war with the land of windmills and tulips. Something like that, he thought, would have been noticed and corrected. Or maybe it was just invented. He intended to get to the bottom of it and set everyone straight, and tell them, no, guys, we are not actually at war with the Netherlands. Everyone relax. But, instead of debunking what he thought was a local legend, Roy Duncan ended up confirming it. He found all the relevant paperwork and documentation, and said, yes, in fact, this thing that everyone's talked about for 300 years now is true. The Dutch really had singled out the Isles of Scilly for belligerency in particular, and indeed, there was no peace treaty. Roy Duncan and the other 1,949 people who lived on Scilly in 1986, they were living in a state of war. This, of course, would not do. Duncan alerted the relevant authorities, and a Dutch ambassador, Jonkir Hoidekopter, and oh man, Dutch names are amazing, climbed into a helicopter flew over 28 miles of ocean out to the tiny isles of Scilly, unrolled a scroll, read it aloud, and declared a cessation of hostilities, thus ending 335 years' worth of war. And this war that everyone forgot about, it presents a weird technical problem for one of the largest, if not the largest, military alliances in all of human history, NATO. Uh, the 1948 Treaty of Brussels, that is very much the beginning of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and both the Netherlands and the UK were signatories of that treaty. It included a mutual defense clause, 
and the English version reads as follows, quote, If any of the high contracting parties should be the object of an armed attack in Europe, the other high contracting parties will, in accordance with Article 51 of the Charter of the United Nations, afford the parties so attacked the military and other aid and assistance in their power, unquote. Article 51 of the UN Charter, by the way, basically states that the member nations have the right to self-defense. Uh, there's some other stuff in there about the Security Council actions, but essentially it says that though the nations might be united, they're still allowed to fight with each other. The UK and Netherlands, they've signed the Treaty of Brussels. And if we want to take the 335 years war seriously and to its absurd extreme, and of course we do, then Belgium, France, and Luxembourg the other signatories, they should have all declared war on both the UK and the Netherlands at the same time, because, of course, they were obliged to aid both the UK and the Netherlands. And then the Netherlands and the UK should have both declared war on themselves as well as each other, because, of course, they were obliged to both defend themselves and also aid themselves in the war against themselves. And again, this, of course, is doing a willfully absurd, nitpicky, extreme reading of the Treaty of Brussels, but that's why we're here, right? And you could make the case that the 335 Years' War didn't constitute any real, quote, armed attack, but I can see a skilled rhetorician arguing in the other direction as well. I, for one, think it's just sort of entertaining to look at an internecine network of treaties and legal obligations and find potential contradictions. I am sure you could do that with any sufficiently large system, not just this one. There's also a huge problem with designating the Dutch Silly War as the longest war in human history. If we define this as a war, then we are defining war as something that is merely declared, as opposed to the actual real state of people trying to kill each other on a mass scale. And if that's the case, then the U.S. has not been at war for well over half a century. The last time the U.S. made an official, real declaration of war was way back in World War II. And I think that this is something that a lot of Americans forget about, but it's not the president who declares war. According to the Constitution, Congress does that. They're supposed to debate it and vote on it. For the past half century, they have not done that. If you want to take a literal and absurd and nitpicky view of what is and is not war, and decide that it's only something that is declared, not something that is happening or not happening, then yes, the 335 years Dutch Silly War is a war, and the U.S. has been at peace since 1945. But then again, that's only if we're being willfully absurd. So as neat as it is to talk about, I do not think that the 335 years Dutch Silly War is in fact the longest war that human history has ever seen. There are two other major candidates for that. Uh, another one is the Reconquista, the Christian reconquest of the Iberian Peninsula from various Muslim kingdoms. That happened over the course of some 700 years, but that was more of a series of conflicts than one big war between discrete parties. That gets mentioned as the longest war in human history a lot of the time, but that's not my pick for what the longest war was. My pick would be the Aruco War, which also featured Spain. Uh, the Spanish, they fought a long-running conflict in what is now Chile against native South Americans over 290 years. And that is two discrete, well-defined sides. It had real stakes, it had real casualties, and it continued until Chilean independence. 
So that would be my pick for the actual real longest war in human history. And 290 years? That's a bit. But I wish that all wars could be like the Dutch Silly War. Small, absurd, harmless, bloodless, and ended by a curious amateur historian and a scroll-wielding diplomat. I wish that all of our conflicts could be so. Next week, we're going to talk about a conflict that was not so. Next week is a topic I have wanted to do for a very, very long time, and next week's episode will be the first in a series of episodes about one of the most dramatic and bloody and strangest conflicts that Africa has ever seen. Next week, we're going to Sudan, and we're going to delve into the kingdom of the Mahdi. Interesting Times is 100% listener-supported. If you wish to support the show, go to interestingtimespodcast.com, sign up for a monthly donation. That would be amazing of you. I love to hear what listeners think. Go to iTunes, give us a rating and review. I read all of those. Also go on Facebook, facebook.com slash interestingtimeswithjoestreckert, or find me on Twitter, at joestreckert. Also on Tumblr, joestreckert.tumblr.com. Thank you very much for listening. See you guys next week with a war that is not nearly so harmless.